0: You're listening to the Lompoc Foursquare Church Podcast.
1: I want to talk to you today about generosity. Interesting that you are giving your offering right now as I start talking about generosity. Um, I've been doing what you're doing since I was 16. Um, I got my first job at 31 Flavors, where you got everything for 50% off back in that day. So that could mean I could get two scoops for the price of one scoop, and I could deduct the price of the cone because I didn't need two cones and put it on my credit for my next purchase. Ah, that was good. Yeah. And so the first checkbook I ever got, I was 18. The first check I ever wrote from that checkbook was to the Burbank Foursquare Square Church. And the second check I wrote was to a group called Jews for Jesus. And the third check I wrote was to Missions. So, my first three actual checks where you took a long time to fill in that and no 100s, remember? Um, some of you don't even write checks anymore, but you, you know what I mean. Uh, the first three that I ever wrote was a church, a ministry, and missions. And from that day on, I've committed myself to be a tither and to be an offerer because I tithed to my church and I offered to these organizations. And I have to tell you, I'm so grateful that you're giving today, that you're tithing today. Um, It's true in most churches in America that about 20 to 30% of the people tithe in the church. And I've said this before, that if every church in Lompoc, are you ready for this? If every church in Lompoc had every Christian in that church tithing, we would not have to have a tax bond on your taxes for the hospital. The churches would have built the hospital and paid cash. The pool. We're still paying on the pool. If the churches in this region, San Inez, Builton, uh, Mission Hills, Vandenberg Village, Mesoaks, and Lompoc, if every Christian would tithe, we could have bought the pool and given it to the city for free. How you doing? But now you've got to pay every month towards your taxes for the pool and the hospital and Alan Hancock. And I don't think we could have built that, though. They're going to build a 67 million. I think that's out of our league. But you, you know my point. So um, today, thank you for giving to the church. Uh, we have the lights are on right now. And how many pay utility bills? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. How many pay commercial utility rates? Yeah. If you have a business, you know, we pay commercial rates. So when your meter spins at your house, you pay a certain fee. When ours spins, we have to pay more because we're commercial. And then we have to pay for our insurance every year. $24,000 a year is our insurance bill. How you doing? <sighs> Lord, we have to take in 24 graduates just so we can pay for insurance. We can't buy a homeless person a meal. We, we can't send a kid to camp. That's just to pay for <gasps> the insurance. How you doing? You're saying, Pastor, we, our bill isn't that big. Oh, so Generosity. Allows us to do what we do. So thank you for being generous. And I know it's quiet in here because I mentioned tithe four times (laughs) in my opening. But see, you don't need a tithing sermon. People say, You got to preach on tithing. There's people that say, Preach on, preach on, preach on tithing. You don't need to preach on tithing if people have determined to be generous. You don't need a spiel or an appeal for money if you've determined to be generous. You're just going to be generous. You know what Jesus said? He said, Matthew 6, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. There will your heart be also. So um, I'm indebted today for some of the content of this message to uh, Pastor John Ortberg, who pastors up in the Bay Area, Menlo Park, where real estate is really expensive, kind of like Hope Ranch prices up there. And uh, John tells a story and you'll hear from this story, he's really not a car guy. He drives a 2009 Honda Accord. Um, he could drive anything he wants because he's written so many books, but he chooses to drive a 2009 Accord. And one day he was in the Bay Area where parking spaces are really, really tight, especially in Frisco, if you've been there. And he's backing his car up into a spot. And all of a sudden he hears this unmistakable sound of metal upon metal. You, if you've ever heard it, I pray you never have to hear it if you haven't, but it's, a, it's an unmistakable sound. He gets out of his car, and he's looking all over for any kind of dent, any kind of mark. He can't find it, but finally he sees a little scratch, I mean a little scratch, that he calls decorative. <laughs> he leaves a note for the owner of the car, to whom it may concern, my name is John Orperk. I'm a pastor, so therefore I'm leaving my real phone number, and he leaves his phone number down. And as he walks away, he notices the insignia on the back of the car. It comes from northern Italy, and it's made by a company called Ferrari. (laughs) Two days later, he receives a phone call from the owner of the car, who starts by saying, do you understand what you did? That car is my baby. It means everything to me. And Orper goes, well, I drive a Honda Accord. It doesn't mean that much to me gets me around. But to this gentleman, his Ferrari, his very unique model, rare Ferrari, meant everything to him. Two days later, he called back and he said, I need you to know that I've been to the finest dealerships. This scratch cannot be buffed out. And because I will not drive a defective car, I need an entire new panel. And if they paint the panel, it will not match the car. The car will be repainted. I will let you know the cost. Click. (sighs) To which John Ortberg said, "Okay, let's see what this is going to be." Two days later, the gentleman called and said, "I'm all stressed out. I cannot drive a defective car. I'm getting rid of it, and I'm getting a brand new Ferrari." And he said, "And he said, so you're off the hook. Don't worry about it." To which Ortberg said, "Um, since you're not using the old one." What, what might you do with it? Huh. We really know what our treasure is by knowing how we feel if somehow it was diminished or removed from us. Um, Orper goes on to say that we are one scratch away from our prized possession being junk. One dent, one scratch, one ding, and I think of the words of Jesus as we've been using John 10.10 10 for this entire series, that he comes to give us life while the enemy comes to steal, rob, and destroy and bring death to us. And I think the enemy would love for us to love things that really don't matter that much, to invest ourselves and our hearts and our passions and our compassions in the things that really won't matter that much in the end. Revelation 3 Verse 7 and 8, the last book of the Bible, third chapter of Revelation, to the angel of the church of Philadelphia, write these words. This is the message from the one who is holy and true. He has the key that belonged to David. And when he, what? Opens a door, no one can close it. And when he closes it, no one can open it. I know what you do. I know that you have little power. Now, this is a great verse for all of you in this room. Because all of you believe at some point in your life that your contribution is not that significant. That your contribution of time or talent or even treasure, even finances, is not that significant. And yet Jesus talked about this woman who had two little coins and she put them in the offering and he was impressed by her giving. He called her generous. So it's not the amount, it's not your power, it's not your influence, it's not your gifting. He says to this church, I know that you have little power, but you have followed my teaching, and you have been what? You have been faithful to me. God is more concerned with your faithfulness than he is with your amount compared to my amount or someone else's amount of contribution. It's what you're doing with what you have. It's what you're using that God has given to you. I have opened a door in front of you which no one can close. See, doors mean privacy. Doors mean security. Doors mean safety. The more deadbolts we have on that door, the safer that we feel. But here in Revelation, the word doors means opportunity. It means the ability to do something that matters. It means to, to connect with something that's eternal. It means to, to do something that will live on after you're gone a legacy, an impact, an investment into the kingdom. Yeah. I like you. You say, yeah, at the right times. So they were faithful, not real strong, it's not about your age, it's not about your gender, they were faithful. John 10.10, I come in order that you might have life and life to the fullest. So I'd like to read to you from some very deep theological words and as I read these words, see if you can maybe figure out who the author is, congratulations. Today is your day. You're off to great places. You're off and away. You have brains in your head. You have feet in your shoes. You can see yourself any direction you choose. No, it's not Shakespeare. (laughs) It's not D.L. Moody. It's not Billy Graham. You're on your own way, and you know what you know, and you are the guy. (laughs) Pastor Seuss, somebody said. (laughs) Reverend Seuss. It's Dr. Seuss. You're the guy who will decide where to go, the places you'll go. And you're on your way up. You'll be seeing great sights. You'll join the high flyers. You'll soar to of high heights, except when you don't, because sometimes you won't. All alone, whether you like it or not, alone will be something you'll be quite a lot. So, kid, you'll be moving mountains. So be your name Buxbaum or Bixby or Bray or Mordecai, Ali, Von Allen, Vauche. You're off to great places. Today is your day, or your mountain is waiting. Get on your way. And number one, God opens doors for us so we can get on our way. He opens doors of opportunity for us. You think the people that you've met over the last 24 months are just there by coincidence, but God put them there to impact your life or for you to be able to impact their life. Every time God opens a door, it's not because you're clever or not because you're gifted or not even because you're American. Every time he opens a door for you, he's opening it so you can somehow see it as a gift of grace where someone comes around you, where someone brings a need before you. One could assert that they come to people who are faithful, like the church in Philadelphia was. One could say that doors are open to people like Jesus talked about in Luke 16.10. He said, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with, with much. I was um, interviewed some time ago for an article about um, church growth, and somebody wanted to know why we're in the 20 percentile of churches in America. Um, actually, we're in the 20 percentile because new people come here, and 80 percent of the churches in America don't have new people coming there, and why we're in the 15 percentile of churches in America based on size. Isn't that sad? This church, LFC, is in the 15% of all denominational churches in America, and we're not that big. There's a lot of little dinky ones. Now, that doesn't mean dinky church isn't good, because I have a friend who has a house church. He has 40 people that come to his house every Sunday, and they're phenomenally healthy. So we're not talking that numbers are the gauge. But when they asked me, why do you think, why do you think God has blessed you? I said, well, first of all, it's his hand on us. And second of all, We've just been faithful with what God has given us over the years. You know, when we were building this building, there were other churches in town that were building, and we were giving to them financially while we were raising monies to build this. People don't do that. When you're saving money for your vacation, you're not usually thinking about giving money to other people at the same time. It's just not something that's in our in our DNA. It might be in yours, but not in most people. We have a church right now that um, uh, we've been praying about as a church council. Uh, There's a church in Southeast Portland. Um, They have a lot of people from Portlandia that go there, if you know what Portlandia is. And uh, we helped plant this church about six years ago. I met this pastor. We were walking at a four-square convention, and I'd never met him before, and the Lord prompted me to introduce myself to him and ask him one question. I don't know you, and you don't know me, but I want to know what your dream is. And he said, my dream is to plant a church in a part of Portland where in the last few years there's been over 200 church plants and only two have survived. Statistically, it's the worst place part of Portland to plant a church and I want to go there. And when he said that and he leaped like that, I said, I like you. And he goes, I like you too. And we sat down and, and in a display area at the convention, we just had a cup of coffee and he and his wife and... And we talked, and I said, um, I don't know how much, but our church is going to plant financially into your church. And he said, who are you? And I said, my name is Bernie. <laughs> I come from the poke. <laughs> I'm here to give you gifts, and that ain't no joke. And, and, <laughs> and, and he was like, blown away. And, and I said, I, I, I could write you a check, but I can't determine the amount. That's the church council. And... and uh, and we didn't even know this guy. We gave $10,000 to this church. And, and now he, he's got 400 people in this church. And, um, and they're able to buy a theater and some building and some, uh, uh, like a hall that they can rent out. And, and um, he's got this business plan because they've got some brilliant thinkers in the church. And, and so we're, we're going to, you, you don't know this. Part of what you gave today is going to a church in Portland. They've got this beautiful facility that we'll never get to use. And sometimes you might say, "Well, gosh, Portland's so far away." It's not. It's right up the street. Haven't you seen it? Because if you look at the Kingdom of God map, right, it's just up the street. We give to uh, plant a Bible college in Myanmar, and um, where our money went far. Three story. Are you ready for this? Three story building with dormitories. Three stories with classrooms, it cost half a million dollars. Santa Barbara County would be seven million. Half a million over there because the guys make seven cents an hour, so it's, it's workable, you know what I mean? Uh, not really, but you, you get it. And so we do things like that, why? Why? Because we're trying always to be, to be generous. And we've said to God, hey, we want to be trusted with the little that you've given us, so Lord, somehow you will give, give us much. Lord, open a door, open a door. And we'll go through it, and then pretty soon, bigger doors will happen. See, lots of people want bigger doors. Lots of people want to be promoted. They just don't want to do the work. Excuse me. A lot of people want to graduate. They just don't want to go to class. Hello. Hello. Or if they go to class, they want to sleep. But, but to, to, in order to graduate, in order to move forward, in order to see bigger things happen in your life, um, there has to be generosity. Some people want joy, but here's where joy comes from. Joy is an outcome of a lifestyle of generosity. One day, God comes to Abraham out of the blue and says, congratulations, Abraham. Today is your day. You're off to great places. You're off and away. And Abraham said, uh, where am I going? And God said, what? I'll show you when you get there. Do you remember that? You know, here's what he said. Let me tell you what Abraham said. Where are the places you want me to go? When will I get there? How will I know? Will I need a design? Will I need a degree? Will I need to know things that you're hiding from me? Where is the map of the plan of my life? I must know all this stuff, and I must talk to my wife. And we anyway, first ever thought that was great. <laughs> you guys are a little slow. but So because of that, open to Genesis 12, okay? Step through this door. Abraham is told, Genesis 12:1. Leave your country, your relatives, your father's house, and go to a land that I'm going to show you. How many of you just don't need to raise your hand? You would have gone for it. Well, what's the climate like? What's the housing market like? What's the schools like for my kids if I go? Right? Have you ever just risked it all? Ever left your land to go to a foreign country? I did once. I left the San Fernando Valley to come to Lompoc. 1986, Challenger disaster. That's when I got here. People were leaving in droves. This church had $128 in the bank and two loans to pay. And they couldn't pay me when I got here. How you doing? You would have come? Brought your wife and two kids? Just just asking. Well, what's the, what's the salary package? Well, what the boss told me was something. But when I got here, they didn't have that money. I was promised something that was thin air. And I got to tell you, I would not change that decision for anything. I would not change that decision for anything. The Lord said to Abraham, Leave your comfort zone. Let me rephrase it. Leave all the people that you know and love and everybody that watches your kids for you and go to a land that I'm going to show you. See, God opens doors so we can bless others. Number two, it's never. Just about you. It's bless me to be a blessing. Genesis 12:2. I will give you many descendants, that you will become a great nation. I will bless you and make your name famous so that you will be a blessing. Here's a prayer I'd love you to pray as we're talking about life and life more abundant. Pray this prayer. God, bless me so I can bless others. Not bless me so I can just have stuff that can get scratched and needs to be repainted. Bless me, Lord. See, an open door is never about me. It's always about others. Jesus says to a rich man who had surplus amounts of wealth on top of wealth, on top of stuff, he had so much wealth, he needed to build storage bins behind his house. Now, you have to know that this man was saving for the future, which, by the way, was an Old Testament principle. He's not violating Scripture by saving for the future and saving for future generations. But here's, here's what, he, what he says in the parable. Verse uh, 17 of Luke 12, he thought to himself, which by the way, is always a bad thing to do. He doesn't allow God to be a part of his equation. He thinks to himself. He doesn't even ask for godly counsel. He doesn't even go to the pastor or the rabbi. He just thinks with him, what should I do? I have no place to store my crops. Oh, I know what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns so and I'll just build bigger stuff. There I'll store surplus grain and I will say to myself, You have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. That's called retirement. And there's nothing wrong with saving for retirement. There's nothing wrong uh, with buying property or real estate. A lot of people right now are pulling money out of retirement funds and different things to buy property because they think that the and, and by the way, this is this is I don't know anything about this stuff. I'm just telling what I've been reading, that there's this little bubble right now in the stock market. It's kind of up and it's gonna going to come down. And, and it, it does. It always does that, doesn't it? But, but it's going to come down. So people are saying, you know, I got to have stuff. I got to have stuff for the future. I get it. I hope you do. But after you have stuff upon your stuff, upon your stuff, like this guy does, then, then what do you do? And God says to him, you're a fool, which is the strongest word in the Bible. Did you know that? Jesus says, call a man a racha. That means you're a fool. It means that you have no brains. Um, Jesus says that's the dirtiest word you could ever call somebody, and yet he uses it in this parable that this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get all the stuff that you've prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores things for themselves but is not but is not rich toward God. Boy, I want to be rich toward God. I want to be rich toward God. For first check I ever wrote, I want to be rich toward God. I keep saying, God, would you give me more stuff? I do. I say it all the time. So I can give more stuff away? Would you give more stuff to the church so we could do more? See, generous people don't assume it's theirs to consume. Just because it comes to me doesn't mean it's for me. That is so counter to everybody. And somebody says, oh, well, well you know, that, that's just really hard. Well, our call, you can write this down, is to go and bless. To go and be a blessing. The word blessing, the literal word blessing in the Hebrew means to enhance life. Some would say it this way, to add value to someone's life. It doesn't mean it's money. It doesn't even mean stuff. It it could be words of encouragement. I don't have time to tell you two stories this week that just happened to me where there were some people that needed encouragement. You could almost see it. Their countenance was down. And I just came in, you know, hey. And I was all pumped up, kind of like you are this morning. And, and, uh, you know, and I I spoke to them and and was able to share a blessing with them. And you should just see their life. Just countenance changes. When was the last time you looked in someone's eyes and just said, you know what, I really value you. You mean the world to me. My life is better because you're in it. You can use that. That's one of mine. You can use that. You know what God does in Genesis 1, and 23? He blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning, and the fifth day. We always think about God blessing humankind and saying, be fruitful and multiply. Our God is weird. He blesses the fish. Read it. He blesses the birds. Next time you go camping and all the blue jays come, it's God's fault. (laughs) Next time the pigeons poop on your picnic, it's all God's fault. He said, I want you to be blessed. And not just use your blessing on yourself. And then in Genesis 1, and 29, he said, God bless them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish. This is, this is our blessing. And the birds in the sky and over every living thing. And then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree and every fruit and every seed in the tree because you'll be able to replant those seeds and you'll have more and you'll have more and, and you'll have more and this will be your food and I will bless you. Oh, you're off to great places. You're, you're off and away. What great things you can do for me. How about this question? What, what doors have God opened to you lately? You see, God opens doors, numbers three, that are usually right where we are, right where we are. See, generous people don't need to be sold. Generous people don't need a plea, a Facebook page where somebody's saying, please give to this. I mean, givers, givers need pleas, but generous people don't. They just, they're just generous. They're trusting God with everything. They're believing God for everything. So God opens doors right in front of you where you are. Um, I want to share with you quickly a video. Um, Linda Allen Wilson, I, I read her story, and um, it's an incredible story, how she uses her bus as a place of blessing. And I can't think of how many of us would just say, I'm so, I can't wait to be a bus driver all my life I want to just drive people in buses that are always late for appointments and, and carry their bags on the bus. I mean, I would just think that's a thankless job. But, but take a look at, at her story. It's very moving and she's turned this into a door a blessing for others. Take a look.
0: I start off my morning with prayer. I seek the Lord before I leave the house. My day begins at 2.30 a.m. I've been an operator for 28 years. And I'm, my first train leaves Walnut Creek at 4.20 a.m. Driving motor coach, you're dealing with hundreds of people with attitudes. Um, so I take it personal. I change that around to help me with my Christian growth. So Lord, help me to have a good attitude when uh, someone comes on, might not have a bad day. Sometimes yell at me and I might not respond. I might not give you that reaction that you want. Why? Because I'm always trying to be aware that God is watching me. He's watching my attitude. He's watching my reaction. So you have to learn to roll with whatever comes through your door whatever that might be. Something that someone who's disabled, uh, someone who might have a personal problem before they came to get on your bus. Uh, Someone with bags that they they cannot carry on the bus by themselves. I mean, every second changes. Me having the attitude that I have here work, caring and uh, helping others, it's paid off because now you have So many passengers who take your bus, they'll say like this, oh, that's the nice operator. That's the lady who always help us. Or she'll get your bags. Or she always call out her stops. They recognize me. They And and sometimes they'll wait for my bus. They wouldn't even take anyone else's bus. Or we want your (laughs) bus. You know, things like that. So it paid off in a way that I have earned, gotten so much respect out here. It's just unbelievable. It's just unbelievable how the seniors and those with disabilities look forward to seeing me because they know I'm gonna do my job. And then, not only that, it it gave me the opportunity to meet um, the gentleman who wrote the Chronicle. He rode my bus, if I'm not mistaken, several months. And during that several months, he was taking notes of me. This man had me down to the T. He was writing... An article on how do you keep a good attitude in the workplace and the article was about that me keeping a good attitude and i tell him i said you know what i put god first i put him first in the morning he's the start of my day some people start off with coffee well i start off with jesus christ and right. so i tell him and without him i couldn't do it i couldn't have this attitude i couldn't serve you But I'm serving it in Jesus' name. Why? Because he's watching. He's looking. He's taking notes of my life. When it's all finished and done with, I want him to say, well done. Isn't that a great story? Yeah.
1: So where do you find the kingdom of God? You find it on the number 45 bus in San Francisco. Uh, You saw the scarf she was wearing. People know that she likes to wear scarves with her uniform. They have gifted her with thousands now of scarves. One even is a rabbit fur collar scarf. There are people that ride her bus that don't need to go anywhere. They just go and wait for her bus to get on her bus. She might pray with them. She might encourage them. She might brighten their day. and They just keep hanging out on her bus for a while. Think about that. She's turned her bus into a place where the kingdom of God can come. God has opened a door. See, open doors are all about opportunities and not guarantees. Not guarantees. Um, Abraham had no guarantee. Genesis 12 verse 4, so Abram went as the Lord had told him. That was it. Can I ask you this question? Where in the Bible does God ever call someone to an easy job or an assignment? I spent three hours the other day looking through all the people that God had called and he always called people to do something that they could not do without his help. You're going to lead these people, but you can't do it on your own. You're going to need my help. You're going to serve these people, but you can't, you're going to go, hey, 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 Moses, you're going to go talk to Pharaoh. And Moses says, I don't have the right skill set or the right gifts for this. And God says, It's not about you, Moses. I am with you. And once God says, I am that I am, Moses says, Who are you? Who are you that you think you could say that? And God says, Don't you worry about it. I will be with you. And then later on to to, uh, his protege, Joshua, he says, Don't worry, Joshua. Don't be dismayed. Don't lose courage. I will be with you wherever you go. Noah, (laughs) Noah, I'm going to give you a rainbow to show you my promise. Isn't that cool? Abraham, I'm going to give you circumcision. Sorry, I should have said that. Let me let me say it, let me say it easier. Abraham, I'm going to have you take your son on top of the mountain and sacrifice him. But right at the time you take the knife down, I'm going to cause the ram to be caught in the bushes for you. I'm going to make it tough on you, Abraham. But oh, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you. Dennis Rainey uh, said this. He says we. We want today much more without the very little. We want the tip without the toil, the gain without the grind, the sweets without the sweat, the prize without the pain, the perks without the perseverance. Today, duty, diligence, hard work, and attention to detail are rare commodities in any endeavor, whether it be home, work, military, or church, even in our relationships. Just, just, just bless me, Lord. Make sure everything goes good, goes good and smooth. Um, First Corinthians 4.2 says, now it's required for those who've been given a trust, they must prove faithful. You know, we've all been given a trust. You know, somebody says, well, hey, 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 dad put me in the trust. And dad's like worth big bucks. I mean, man. But listen, listen God put us in his trust. He gave us this inheritance and we need to be faithful with what the Lord's given us. There was a guy named Jonah God opens a door for him. Do you remember this? Go to a town called Nineveh, and he goes to a place called Tarshish, which is the farthest place geographically known to man that he could go. He went as far away from the blessing and call of God in his life. And the word comes to Jonah. sounds like this. (laughs) Would you, could you go to preach? Would you, could you go to reach the people of Syria since Jonah, oh, Jonah, you fit my criteria. And Jonah said to the Lord, I will not go there in a boat. I will not go there in a float. I would not go there in a gale. I won't even go there in a whale. I do not like the people there. And if they die, I do not care. I will not go to Nineveh town. I'd rather choke. I'd rather drown. I will not go by land or sea. So stop this talk and let me be. There's the summary of the book of Jonah there, according to the great theologian, Seuss. But we must fight the tendency to refuse to give the gift that we were born to give. Now, we're talking about life. You want to have abundant life, ask the Lord this. What is the gift that I was born to give? What is is my greatest contribution? What, What could it be? Watch this week for where God will open doors. And here's some questions for you. What is your open door? Where has God placed before you an opportunity to make your life count for eternity? And who can you be generous toward where you've not been? Where can you move towards a heart of deeper generosity? Um, I really wasn't going to share the story with you, but I, I will. Uh, recently, I... I I've been praying for a person in our community that doesn't like me at all. Matter of fact, I'm the number one most hated person according to this person. Now, some of you would go, oh, my God, are you okay with that? Sure, consider the source. If God loves me, then I'm okay. My wife loves me, double okay. My kids love me, my grandkids, okay, fine. Some of you love me, hey, I'm doing good, doing good. So this person is right in front of me, face-to-face, in front of me, and I go, oh, my God. But i really like to say something to them. Should I? Could I? Should I be? (laughs) Sarcastic, cynical? Oh, no, not me. (laughs) Should I pull out my sword? Should I cut off his ear? (laughs) Should I speak words that are mean? Or should I run in fear? And I just said, hey, I just want you to know... I." I hear around town that you say bad things about me, and I don't really care that you do. Go ahead. But people are starting to judge you based on what you say, and they overhear you in stores and shops and restaurants. and You know? Oh, I've never done anything like that. You're mistaken. I said, well, were you at the XYZ the other day? Were you drinking coffee there? Did you have your right elbow on the counter when you said? So the person standing next to you waiting for their beverage, goes to my church and really loves me and was wondering if I knew that you were talking that way about me. Frankly, it's okay that you do. But I wouldn't want your reputation tarnished by people thinking that that's what you do, not just about me, but to other people because probably if you talk that way about me, there's probably other people you don't like either. Now, would you have had that conversation? Come on, come on. And while I'm having it, my blood pressure's going and my curls. The, the, my toes are curled. And, and I really don't want to go on. And while you know you get in a hole, now you're stuck, right? What do you do? And I go, the reason I, I came to you is because I care about you. And, and I've, I've heard for many years that you don't like me. I've, I've had five conversations with you in 31 years this September. And they've all been cordial, I thought, on my end. If I ever wronged you, I want to make it right. I don't want unhealthy stuff to go underground. How do we fix this? And he said, uh, yeah, I don't like you at all. Okay. I don't need you to like me. I just need you to know that what you say to people is starting to tarnish your reputation. Because there's a few people, just a few in this town that like me. And after all, I was the grand marshal in the parade. And (laughs) And he put his head down. He goes, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. I shouldn't say that stuff. I said, Okay. Now, beyond that, what, what can I do to fix our relationship? He said, oh, no, we're fine. Now, I know better. I know we're not fine. But you know what I was trying to do? Listen, I was trying to be generous. Not trying to, I wasn't defending myself. I was trying to be generous. Do you have situations like that in your life where you could come and bring the generosity of the Lord, the grace of God, a kid that bullies you as a kid, drives you nuts, you know? Maybe somebody who worked that just drives you crazy. They, they, they don't just push on your button. They lean on it. You know who they are. They want to razzle-dazzle you and get you fired up. And, uh, uh, uh. Listen, I think, listen, you want, want, want a lesson before you go? I think we're way too concerned about what people think about us and not concerned enough about what God thinks about us. So I say to God, God, how, how, how can I walk through an open door? How can I be generous in love? How can I be generous in my heart towards others? And last but not least, the most generous thing I know, the most generous thing I know is when God sends his son Jesus to die for us. Speak of an open door. That's an open door to salvation for all of us, isn't it? And then when he dies, um, he borrows a grave for three days because he only needs it for three days. He didn't have to pay rent. And then God opens the door to resurrection. And that God opens the door for any of us who would believe in him and confess him as Lord, that, that his blood can wash away our sins and that we can be forgiven forever and ever and ever and ever. Where will you be generous this week? Where will you add value to people? Where will you make a difference as God opens the door for us to go into all the world and to declare the gospel to others? It's a part of our life. It's our abundant life. It's, it's our privilege to be generous.
0: Thank you for listening to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. To find out more about Lompoc Foursquare Church or to watch us live online, please visit mylfc.com.